Hello and welcome to the Human Up podcast, formerly known as the Portals of Presence podcast. This is episode three, and it is called The Real Matrix. Now, when most people in the culture got introduced to that word, the matrix, I believe that it started largely with the 1999 Keanu Reeves movie that uh, I myself saw in the theater when I was 16 years old. And it blew my mind, as it did for a lot of people. I loved the, I loved the, <clears throat> the idea, and the, there was a very deep spiritual quality to it. Um, bending reality, waking up to the illusion that we're in. It spoke to me deeply, um, but of course, it is very, um, you know, Hollywoodized, <laughs> you know movie of course and plenty of violence and shooting and you know the entertainment that uh, a movie needs to have to be a blockbuster however the word matrix obviously existed long before the movie and i would like to read you the definition of the matrix not the matrix but matrix something within or from which something else originates develops or takes form. Now, if you look up the word matrix, you'll see a lot of different examples um, in the dictionary, uh, a lot of different variations of the definition, but the opening definition really just calls it out beautifully. Something within or from which something else originates. Now, as rendered in the movie, it speaks to an invisible network from which the reality that everyone's experiencing appears and develops. And they don't know that there's a matrix. We're not conscious of a matrix. We're just using that matrix without even being aware that there is a matrix being used. Uh, in other words, every movement we make, Every step we take, everything we do, every agreement, um, idea, uh, I mean, every little iota, every sneeze <laughs> is brought to you by the matrix. In other words, <clears throat> we have to understand that our ability to perceive anything at all, much like the computers we use, which are using a deep invisible code. I mean, it's visible to the coders, but it's not visible to us when we're getting on our iPhones or our computers and using them. We're not seeing the code. We're seeing what the code is designed to tell us to see. Uh, and of course, this is potentially infinitely intricate and um, infinitely uh, capable of creating anything, images, sound, movement, animation, um, you know, calculation, on and on and on, right? <clears throat> I think you get the idea, the analogy there. Uh, and of course, the movie The Matrix pulls from the, you know, The Matrix is computer generated indeed. So when you see the, the that green screen with the code kind of falling down, sort of like rain, um, that's how they depict that 
sort of invisible matrix that Neo, the main character, doesn't really have the capacity to see till the very end. And suddenly he's able to see the structure, the hidden invisible structure behind everything where he wasn't able to before. Um, so it was a really, really awesome moment for me, especially at 16 years old when I saw that moment. He he got shot. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> he got shot at the end. You think he's dead. And he rises from the ground. And it's like he transcends his fear of death, uh, which was generated by the Matrix itself and over overcame it. Of course, the the, the message of that story is that Neo was the one. Well, I'm going to I'm going to change this now. I'm going to bring this into our reality. And we are all the one in this version of the matrix. So, get your popcorn and listen up because uh this matrix is real and this matrix is not a conspiracy theory. Uh it's not me speaking of some higher ups, higher powers invisible puppet masters pulling the strings of society um, and all of that. You know, that. I'm sure that there are versions of that going on and um, you know, but, but what we must realize is that even if there are, and I, I, that thought of, of higher ups, powers that be puppet masters, it's a scary thought. It's very disempowering. It makes you feel as though uh, someone else has control. And of course, as free will beings, rational free will beings that we are, there is nothing that is more of an affront to our sense of being than the loss of freedom or not being in control. Well, the fact of the matter is, we think we are in control and we're not really in, uh, I, lo- I love the word agency. Agency, the, the deepest capacity of choice uh, to, to move about and to make decisions with agency is to have true authority of your own person, your life, your, uh, your experience. And yet... <clears throat> I'm hoping to show you throughout the course of this offering to help you see that choice, when we think we have choice, may not actually be choice. So in this journey with me, you may pass through some moments of, of uh, discomfort because uh, I'm going to show you why what we think choice is, is not actually choice at all. And that can be a scary thing because, again, if we have had a sense of being in control and then that uh, starts to get questioned, of course, there's going to be some uh, jitters and <clears throat> discomfort and, heck, you may even want to hit stop. And I invite you to, as needed, hit stop, hit pause, come back. Uh, in the movie The Matrix, there's that, that famous moment where um, Morpheus, uh, played by Lawrence Fishburne, uh, offers Neo a choice. He can take the red pill or he can take the blue pill. Now, the red pill is the pill that if Neo chooses to take it, will open his eyes to the reality 
of what is really going on. Now, in this movie, it's about <clears throat> realizing that the, the beings that are moving about on planet Earth seemingly and just living out their lives are actually not really there. It's a kind of dream that they don't know is a dream. They just think it's a reality. But the red pill wakes you up from that dream, which you thought was reality, and brings you into the real present, which is, I don't know, 2100 or some, some future year. It wasn't 1999 like everyone thought. And in this real reality, they're in these pods and they're actually an energy source um, that is being harvested by the machines, by the computers. Um, the, the earth has been scorched. Um, there is no real uh, nature anymore as we know it. Um, the machines have taken over. Humans are now the uh, utility for them. And it is needed. We're needed to stay in this dream, in this matrix. If one does somehow snap out of it, or if one dies in the matrix, they die um, in this future reality, and then simply get flushed and recycled. And, you know, you can see the movie, but uh, I'm just wanting to bounce it off you. So when you take the red pill, you become aware of that. Um, Morpheus is well aware that this is a risky thing to do, especially when once one is well into their adulthood, it can be too jarring, too intense, but he, because he believes Neo is the one, he's offering this to him. He believes Neo will take the red pill. The blue pill, on the other hand, is the pill that you can take to forget that anything ever happened. You'd forget Morpheus, Neo would forget Morpheus, he'd forget that there was a matrix, you'd just go on living out the rest of his life in ignorant bliss, so to speak. <clears throat> But here's another analogy I love. When one wakes up too much to the falsehood of the reality they have been in, it's a very challenging point in one's life. So I'm kind of bouncing back and forth here. Uh, this is all improv uh, between the movie and the reality that we are experiencing right now. I believe if you've come across this podcast or if you're aware of my work and you've been coming back, I believe that it is uh, an indication that you have already woken up too much to the falsehood of the reality, the matrix that you've been living in. You may not fully understand what's going on. You may not fully understand why you're perhaps not functioning in society as well as you want to, or perhaps why you have so much anxiety and why you know your relationships aren't working out and uh, why you've been called to to um, take up spiritual practices, self-improvement. Um, and perhaps you've even found that all the, these methods that you've turned to, whether it's yoga or it's, or it's um, a guru or it's meditation, mindfulness, it's uh, workshops, you're going to self-help you know, events and all of this, and you're drawn to it. Perhaps you've even found that it still feels stuck, um, that these things that people are offering while very well-intentioned on some level still have a feeling of stuckness, the matrix. This is a, an invisible feeling, much like the people in the, in the movie, the matrix cannot see the matrix itself. They see what the matrix is designed to, to, to make them see. Well, let's just cross that over to our lives. There is an invisible matrix, not created by some higher ups. It's even deeper than that. <clears throat> and it's old, that has us 
deeply, on a deep existential level, the level of our deepest being, feeling trapped. That's the deep anxiety, the deep angst of human existence in this day and age. And and, and when I say this day and age, I, I expand that out into the last, you know, thousands of years. But it's really culminating now with the increase of population, the increase of technology. Um, you know, there's a very real feeling that I think a lot of us are sharing, a kind of sense of how long can this go on? Uh, there's a feeling of the walls closing in. There's less wiggle room, less space. Um you know, we're, I think we're all, you know, all you have to do is watch the news to go, oh my God, <laughs> what's happening? This is, you know, it's scary. Uh, and, I, and I'm not trying to feed that fear. I'm trying to uh, recognize and honor the fact that, uh, you know, the first step into, you know, freeing ourselves from that deep anxiety is to face it. We have to face it. Uh, and, and a lot of people I've encountered are afraid of that because we go, we have defense mechanisms. Um, to the red pill. Okay. Right now I'm your red pill. And, and it's not that me, Nothan is your red pill. It's what's coming through. It's what I'm saying. Uh, that is the red pill. I think that you will find that I make a lot of sense. And really it's the sense that is the red pill. Uh, that, that wakes us up to the nonsense that we have taken as reality for so long. Uh, and when everyone's dreaming that dream together and everyone is sort of unconsciously in cahoots with one another to keep us in the dream, keep us in the, in the matrix, it's again, not a conscious decision. It's more of like a, a mechanism that is uh, inborn in us. Um, just by virtue of growing up in whatever variation of human culture you've come into. And there's wide variations from indigenous to ultra civilized to, to uh, <clears throat> you know, from Eastern religion to Western religion to non-religion and atheism to uh, you, you name it, uh, spirituality and a, any variation. You, there's endless combinations of the same, um, the same, structure, the same foundational structure that we're all operating from. So it's interesting because we're, we're arguing and fighting and combating each other, uh, which is again, a product of the matrix that we're in. When ironically, we're all a part of the same religion, or let's go deeper than religion, because I want to say that like theism and atheism are in the same boat. And I know that may get some of you up in, in, in arms there, but uh, if you can stay with me, you'll find why this is actually a very liberating thing to become aware of. Because within the matrix, it's all opposites. Everything is, it comes with its opposite. So, you know, if, if you're not into religion, you're going to <clears throat> oppose religion and create a new identity of non-religion, atheism. There is no God. There is no higher consciousness, right? So you're going to, you're going to create your identity and it, ironically, your identity is founded upon the anti of religion um, or vice versa. You know, it can go both ways. Uh, but ironically, you're, you're married to what you oppose, and that's the, that's one of the 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 qualities of this matrix I'm calling out right now. So, <clears throat> where does this matrix live? Where where does it exist? Well, it's invisible. Why? Because it's what it's literally behind your eyes. <laughs> so to speak. It's like it's everywhere and it's nowhere. There's no physical location of 
The Matrix. It's more of a <clears throat> collaboration, an unconscious collaboration of all humans uh, thinking, even though we think on the surface level and on the appearance level, vastly different ways. If you can go behind the appearance level and look at the code uh, that we're all sharing and all, all partaking in, which, you know, philosophers uh, have seen this. Uh, for a long time, and, and a lot of the greats. Oh, uh, when I say the greats, I speak of you know the the some of our most revered wisdom uh, teachers, um, embodiments of wisdom through history. And I always like to point out that I I, I see that that they happen to be men. And that very well could be because the women wisdom embodiments have been intentionally written out of history, and I never turn a blind eye to that. However, we have to think of wisdom, true wisdom, as beyond gender, okay? So don't think of Jesus, Buddha, Lao Tzu, Krishna, Moses, Abraham, Muhammad. Try not to think of them as men, you know? Try not to put them in that box. Look past the gender and see what was coming through, because what was coming through in that their, their uh, deep science and deep philosophy and, and, you know, I left out, say, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, and all of those great philosophers of old, too, were all embarking on a similar mission. And, and that mission is what's, you know, what's going on here? Why are humans suffering? And, and, and then the philosophers' uh, um, approach to that was really getting down to the science of how do we think? How do we make sense? Um, why do we know when something, how do we know when something is true and when something's false? You know, these, these are deep questions that most people, I, I feel I can safely say, most people at this point of time don't care to even begin asking those questions. Again, it's like the red pill. It becomes too jarring of our sense of security, which is a false security, but it's secure because why? Uh, so many people are doing it. We find safety in numbers. Okay, so if, say, if we're um, Christian or we're Hindu or we're Muslim uh, or we're Jewish, we are cozying up to a vast amount of people who are agreeing on the same uh, narrative about what reality is, where it came from, what we're doing here, how to do it right, how to do it wrong. It's like, um, uh, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a structure that is made real only because we have massive amounts of people believing in it. And again, past the appearance level, I want you to understand, and I, I'm hoping to show you that they're all operating from the same foundational matrix. They're all using the same code, but then uh, spinning that code into different modes. And even if it's non-religion, atheism, completely devoid of God, religion talk, all of that stuff, still using the same code. What I'm saying to you right now is a profound awareness that will shift your and free and liberate your thinking like never before. That's why this is the red pill. Okay. Because as long as we're taking a stance that has opposition to another appearance using the same code, we keep ourselves in a kind of loop, a kind of um, insanity, really. What is insanity? It's the endless repetition of suffering. And so we keep ourselves in a kind of, we keep ourselves stuck. We're not actually freeing ourselves from what is the 
primary perpetrator against our well-being. Now, if we do not look on that level, and this is, again, may shake the rafters a little bit for some of you, it does not matter how much you meditate. It does not matter how much you read, how many books you read about mindfulness. It does not matter how many workshops you go to. It does not matter how perfect your diet is. It does not matter how much yoga you do. It doesn't matter how positive you think. You're still swinging the pendulum, so to speak. What happens when you swing a pendulum? It's just going to swing the other way. Again, that, that, that realm of opposites. And that's what's going to continue to happen. And because one of the analogies I like to use for the matrix, I, I use this with my clients when I'm, I'm sitting with them and we're going deep into this. <clears throat> I like the, the analogy of the Monopoly board. You know, the Monopoly board or any game board for that matter, which uses the same basic idea. You have a start and you have a finish, right? The Monopoly board, however, is, is <laughs> in a loop, you know, a square, a loop, a circle, a cycle. So, you know, you, you, you leave, go, you try to round up as much property as you can and monopolize, right? And by the time you come full around, you're passing go again, collecting $200 and doing, doing another round, right? So think of life as we know it is just about getting to the next block or the next several blocks. However, there is a deep amnesia, I'm going to call it, a, a forgetfulness that we're even on a game board. We, we don't know that we're on the game board. We're just, because everybody is looking at just getting to the next, getting to the next step, you know, uh, beating out the other. <clears throat> and we become so focused on that next block getting off the block that we're on and getting to the next block and trying not to go to jail. (laughs) But we are in jail. We're in prison. That whole game board is a prison. That whole game board is jail. And we don't, we we need to get off the game board. But we we're so entranced and everyone's marching to this same drummer foundationally. And I, I steer away from talk that centers around money is the root of all evil. No, money is not the root of all evil. Money is another symptom. Money is a hot spot, (laughs) big time hot spot. You know, there's some mega hot spots, the money. When somebody says money is the root of all evil, they're seeing something. They're seeing a symptom. They're seeing the way that money, which is what, what's money? Value. They're seeing the way value is handled. Uh, they're seeing the way it's distributed uh, unfairly. They're seeing the way it's, um, you know, the way it uh, feeds the greed. And they're seeing that. So they say, oh, money is the root of all evil. Sorry. No, it's not. It's another symptom. And, and this awareness, again, will liberate you beyond belief. It's deeper than all of that. It's deeper than the money. It's deeper than the world powers. It's deeper than the government. It's deeper than, you know, any number of, of things you can point your finger at. What's so liberating about this awareness is we're finally retracting all of that energy, uh, you know, and in our activisms. A lot of our activism is based on, on attacking the symptoms, right? Just like our medicine, you can have a rash on your skin and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, here, take this ointment, put it on there, it'll clear it right up. Or, or take this pill and <clears throat> it'll go away. But have we really treated the underlying causes? Well, 
who cares? It's just getting me to the next game, uh, uh, block on the game board, you know? So heck yeah, give me that, give me that medicine, put it on. And I'm not putting it down by the way. I'm, I'm actually, uh, um, in awe of medicine. Um, uh, I prefer holistic medicine that looks at the whole picture, but you know, even Western medicine, uh, is a miracle. It's a miracle what we're able to do. And so I just want to be very clear. I am not putting that down, but at the same time, it serves the analogy here, which is that if we are just treating the symptoms, we may be glazing over and ignoring the very root cause that would actually be the, the, the complete healing of that which is generating the symptom, the imbalance, the deep imbalances that are invisible and harder to see. Well, let's take that to the ultimate level of human existence. The rash here is the suffering, and rash is not a strong enough word, the dis-ease, the ailment, uh, the, the suffering, the insanity, the depression of human existence that has been longstanding, long enough so that the, you know, the, the greats, I call them the heavyweights, <laughs> like Jesus and Buddha and uh, Krishna and Lao Tzu and those, those great teachers were calling out this suffering 2,000 plus years ago. It was already old. So I really want you to understand the matrix I'm calling out is not a product of modern day technology. Modern day technology is a product of the matrix. Where does the matrix live? Again, it's not in uh, like a physical space or like located in some hard drives, right? Or, or if it is, we are the hard drives, okay? All of us uh, in unconscious cahoots uh, with one another in maintaining a kind of uh, network highly intricate, widely varied in its appearance, and yet all maintaining it without knowing what we're maintaining. This is the very code of our most foundational faculty, which is what? Interpretation perception. Every single moment incessantly governed by something that allows you to interpret. You're interpreting this right now. You're interpreting your surroundings. And there's a whole, uh, there's a whole spectrum of levels of interpretation. So like you're, you may not be consciously aware of, of, let's say, you know, you can hear birds in the background or the fridge motor is going. You may be unconsciously interpreting that or aware of that. You know, if you've ever noticed the, the fridge motor suddenly shuts off and you didn't realize it was on until it turns off. You know, you, there was part of you that was aware of it, but then it becomes, you know, you become conscious of like, wow, dang, that fridge motor was loud. You know, this is just an example. So what I'm, I'm trying to say is that we're always interpreting. We're constantly taking in just uh, a endless um, spectrum uh, of taking in information <clears throat> where the the focus of our of our interpretation just kind of like your your when you're looking at something with your eyeballs your vision you see a portion of that field of vision and focus 
And that doesn't mean you're only seeing what's in focus. You're also seeing the periphery, right? You see, you, you've got your peripheral vision, which is more, you can try it right now. Just look at anything. You can see how that thing is in focus. Like if you're reading some words, your, your, your vision is focused crystal on that. And then it kind of sort of blurs out. You might be aware of a door in the corner of your eye or, or, you know, objects, but I'm trying to give you a sense of, okay, we are, we are, on a on a grand life scale now take it take it like that we are in constant interpretation not just in space but in time too so our focus is on this moment perhaps you know uh and i would like to address this too because there's a lot of talk of be here now but it is grossly misinterpreted and misused because there is a myopic now myopic meaning you know narrowed like tunnel vision now so you can be just just be here now, you know, YOLO, and just be here now, and and that now is uh, <clears throat> uh, really incomplete. It's uh, um, I like to use the analogy of Legos, you know, for Legos being what building blocks, separate plastic pieces, building blocks that we put together, and we we put together whatever any number of things you can put together anything. You can create a car, you can create a Star Wars spaceship, you can create a whatever it is. So think of think of now translate that over to the way that we think. We think in terms of pieces. We think we put things together. So if you look at the body, you think of the body as, oh, it's bones and tissue and uh, organs and uh, nerves and blood and skin and hair and nails. And we, we're, we're putting the body together in our minds in pieces. Well, we do this with everything, whether we're aware of it or not. So that piecemeal way of thinking is what leads to our myopic uh, experience of reality, our interpretation in every given moment, which is, again, incessant interpretation, uh, borrowing from a code that's deep in us, uh, deeply practiced and invisible and automatic. Okay, so it's happening at light speed. We are interpreting everything. But that Lego-based interpretation, in other words, piecemeal interpretation is actually, we may not be aware of it, but it's fragmenting us in so many ways. So if we're focused on now, our, you know, the, or the, the focus of our interpretive vision is focused on a Lego now, it's myopic and it, uh, it, it doesn't allow you to see past this, this moment, this day, and think about how much frustration we see in people. You know, kids are a great, great example because they have developed no sense of, you know, uh, oh, this is going to be all right. So when you're, the toy breaks or something like that, that is the whole world. And the kid throws a massive fit, you know, and the parent goes, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, relax. You know, you fix it. And the kid goes, oh, now how many times did that have to happen to each of us till we started to go, you know, this too shall pass, right? So we know that time nurtures wisdom and wisdom being the capacity to stay calm and in that bliss. Why? Because you have the knowledge of, of a bigger picture. Um, well, that goes to a certain level, but then it starts to hit a ceiling. Okay. That's we may grow wiser relative to the child, you know? So, uh, an adult is wiser in a lot of ways. You know, you've experienced more, you understand more. However, that growth has been taking place on the Monopoly board. That growth has been taking place in the matrix that I'm calling out with this 
with this. And it's a really big task, what I'm embarking on right now, because I'm trying to show you what shows you everything. In other words, you are shown what your matrix interpretive process allows you to see, allows you to interpret. And to be brave enough to question the limitations of that matrix, the limitations of your own mind is a very... Uh, again, jarring thing, because what we do is we find comfort in familiarity. We find comfort in fixity, the fixity of this is the way it is. This is how it's always been. This is how everyone around me who I want to belong with thinks. And so we're going to all cozy up safety in numbers now, safety in Lego numbers, mind you, because in this matrix, everything's a Lego. Every person is a Lego. Every thought is a Lego. Every word is a Lego. Every moment is a Lego. And it leads to an endless uh, matrix of grid work, like uh, the way we chop up time into seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, blah, blah, blah. Right. And the way we uh, grid work space, you know, millimeters, centimeters, kilometers, um, meters, kilometers, uh, inches, feet, on and on and on. Right. So think about this and say, we don't see when you're looking at a person, you could probably guess, oh, that person that she's about five foot three, you know, and you'd probably be pretty close. You're not seeing a ruler on her body. How did you, how are you able to, to say, Hey, she's this tall about this tall and maybe about this heavy, this weight, this weight, she's about 107 pounds and about five foot three. You're not seeing those numbers actually, but you are. Here's the thing. If you just look at that very simple example, it's a great example of how the, the matrix is invisible. You are perceiving, judging, um, calculating, approximating, uh, you know, just to reach for a door handle. You reach your hand out to reach for that door handle and, and open that door, right? Simple everyday thing. I mean, it's happening all the time. You're brushing your teeth. You're, you're driving your car. You're, there's constant judgment, space, time, distance, size, weight. Uh, and we're, and this is how we navigate. It's brilliant, really. And so, when I say that it's deeply tied into the matrix, it's really a kind of a mixed bag. The intelligence, the innate intelligence of our organism to be able to, to uh, <clears throat> perceive with such great detail, uh, it fascinates me to this day that so many of us are driving at high speed in opposite directions with only double yellow lines separating us. And I know accidents do happen all the time, but it blows my mind that it doesn't happen more. And just to think we're putting our lives and our safety in everyone else's hands thinking, well, you know, I hope that they're not having a bad day. I hope they're not texting right now. I hope that they're paying attention. You know, we give, I mean, it's just remarkable to me, uh, the, the intelligence we give our safety over to entrust to the greater whole, which is a really beautiful thing. If you think about it, except that it's, it's, uh, I don't think that it's really matured into a level where we're all, you know, getting in our cars and caring about each other. Uh, other people are just uh, other Lego people and other Lego cars that we're trying not to hit. It's more of a self-preservation based harmony, which isn't true harmony with a capital H, which uh, really is the ultimate 
goal, if we are to have one, is what is it going to take for us to come to authentic harmony? Well, we're going to have to address the matrix, which leads to such things as narcissism and self-focus, which narcissism is used as a word to describe certain characters who are obviously egotistical and, you know, uh, just selfish and all of that. But if we can expand the meaning of narcissism, and, and I will do another um, uh, podcast on focusing on normal narcissism. Uh, in other words, universal narcissism, the very, uh, nature of the matrix we are in, uh, leads to automatically and without choice. There comes that word choice again. We don't have a choice, but to be narcissistic in the sense of self-preservation. We focus on, I focus on me. I focus on my family. And even my focus on my family is kind of almost more about me than it is about them. A lot of times, how many times have parents, made their kid about themselves rather than about what their kid is a person just like them uh, challenging their narcissism with their own narcissism. And, and then there we go. And if you blow that up to the grandest scale of things, the collisions of entire religions and, and countries and, and peoples and races, again, is, a, is based on a kind of narcissistic rigidity, fixity upon your version of your Lego reality, your structure, which you find security and safety in. Uh, and, and if someone else's uh, structure threatens your structure because it's different, what do we, what do we do? It almost inevitably always ends in calamity of, of the collision of, of where, where is that collision happening? Well, it's happening oftentimes be literally in war. Um, or in domestic violence, or in child abuse, or in the destruction of nature, or uh, any, any number of things that we know are bad. But can we see where they're, all, where they're all coming from? Where that collision is really happening is the collision of ideology, the con collision of realities, the collision of narratives. And, th and that is n only going to happen. That can only happen. It's the only outcome as long as we're in the matrix. Because the matrix has got us so myopic and so Legoized, Lego eyes, <laughs> I love playing with words, where our vision is so Legoized, our seeing, our interpreting, that we can't even see, we can't step back from our own narratives, our own worldviews, our own lens, really, for very long, if at all, to go, oh my God, as different as that Muslim is to my Christian, <laughs> we're, we're coming from the same place. We're using the same code. That's the universal, let's say, religion or ideology or the matrix is the common fabric from which we are all creating our structures. Imagine humanity getting brave enough. Imagine all of us, imagine the masses getting brave enough to go, you know what? I see this. I see what, what Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and Lao Tzu and on and on were calling out. They were trying to help us see the seeing. They were trying to help us mind our minding, uh, to step back from the, the matrix, to step back from the, the, ultimate slave driver, the monopoly board, and the addiction to that. So here we are all together, you know, and, and I, I reiterate, 
if you're still with me, this is the red pill. The red pill is what? I call it Activision. Activision uh, was a word that my father and I uh, sort of stumbled upon in realizing that, wow, activism, a lot of the activism that we see is stalled. Back to that theme of, of, of the medicine that's just addressing the symptom, activism is going you know, full force and with gusto and good hearts too, uh, of good people wanting to help make the world a better place. Beautiful incentive, beautiful drive, still within the matrix. So what we do is we exhaust ourselves fighting a symptom and there's a great movie, another movie to pull from here. Uh, again, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen The Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat with Tom Cruise. Uh, wonderful movie. And if you don't want to know the outcome, then uh, yeah, I guess you're going to have to hit stop <laughs> or skip over this part somehow. But uh, the, the basic idea is it's a, it's a, there's a full-on um, war between the aliens, which are these like really intense, uh, you know, almost machine-like um, beings, creatures that want to wipe out the humans, obviously. And so we've gone head to head with them. And, and you come to with, with uh, Tom Cruise getting pulled into battle, even though he's not a warrior, he gets pulled into this battle um, beyond his will. One of the endless battles that are going on across the planet against these aliens, and the humans, by the way, are just get, are just getting their their asses whooped just through the whole thing, and you know, so it, it seems like a losing battle right from the get start, and so you know, but something happens to Tom Cruise's character that uh, that like a Groundhog Day, he gets the blood of a. Sp- specific kind of alien spilled on him and this and this blood for some reason has the power of creating a kind of groundhog day effect a loop so as soon as he dies he wakes up again on the same day that morning he comes to he wakes up and he lives it again and through the course of the movie he learns he learns what's going to happen because the same things always happen so he it's just he learns oh yeah this this alien's gonna you know shoot here at this moment this one's going to be here he becomes masterful at at um navigating because it's the same game board every time and he gets better and better and better at it and then finally he the the movie leads him to realizing that wait a second the aliens want us to fight them because it's an endless, the alien can just keep regenerating itself. So the more that the humans stay engaged in the battle against the aliens uh, themselves, the the more they're going to take themselves out. The humans will take themselves out by engaging in battle, right? So I'm still connecting this to the activism, Activision uh, point that I was just making a while back. And he realizes somehow that the the actual the governing brain, the main alien, the the mastermind of of this invasion uh, of planet Earth, is housed under the Louvre in France and underground, and that the only way to take out the lot of them is to take out the main brain, the the main alien. And so so that's how it plays out, and, and you can. You know, imagine how that that goes. But the point is already made. Our activism and all of the things we're trying to do to make things better are still 
trying on the level, on the surface level, on the appearance level, these are the aliens that we're fighting, so to speak, using that analogy, where we're exhausting ourselves and taking ourselves out by attacking the, the endless symptoms that, are, that all have a common generator, a common cause. Now, the analogy of the brain, the governing brain under the Louvre in France, is the matrix. If we're going to really liberate ourselves from the suffering and, and the endless array, imagine one fell swoop, so to speak, of, of taking care of the whole enchilada of problems is to see the matrix, to see the, what's the real perpetrator, the invisible perpetrator that, you know, I don't want to give it like a, I don't want to personify it, but it's almost as though it wants to stay hidden behind the scenes. It wants to continue to make us believe that the problem is the government, the 1%, and the problem is, you know, the, you know, the destruction of, of uh, nature and the chopping down of the trees. And the problem is nuclear weapons. And the problem is racism. And the problem is, you know, greed. And the problem is, and, and at what point do we wise up as rational human beings and mature to a level where we go, wait a second, could these all be connected? Could all of these symptoms that we're pointing our fingers at all have something to do with the same common cause, the matrix? It's almost as though what perpetuates the matrix in this sense is our not seeing it. So Activision was a play on words that we came up with to upgrade what activism is. The ultimate activism is activision. It's seeing it. Because once you see it, the actions that follow uh, are not the kind that are pulling from a tank of gas. And I use that analogy too, because you know a tank of gas is going to get you down the road, but it's going to run out. And that's how we're, we're addicted to thinking that way. All energy is a, is a limited supply and we proceed in that way. And that's why we exhaust ourselves because we're not tapping the true energy source. The matrix blocks us from it. We don't know how to tap true energy. And it doesn't matter how many supplements you take and how right and perfect you design your diet and lifestyle. If you're in the matrix you have an expiration date stamped upon you by its very nature. Why? Because the very, the very nature of, of the matrix code is that it makes everything terminal. Everything is terminal. Everything has a start, a middle, and an end, so to speak, or it has a container. It has a boundary. It has a limit. Everything, by the nature of the way we think, anything that is labeled is simultaneously given its expiration. It's expired already. This is why now if we were to take some biblical language here and really translate it now, let's, let's bring it into this context. And for anybody who has an aversion to religion or biblical language or anything, I'm going to ask you to just set that aside for a moment. Imagine that Jesus was a scientist, a, a, a logician, <laughs> a profound thinker and uh, activisioner who, was, who literally 
sacrificed himself to to this end to become to to freeing humanity from the matrix. He wasn't saying he wasn't saying uh, you know I am your salvation. He was saying he was embodying and exemplifying salvation in a way that was an invitation to all of us. So it's a very different rendering than than it is often rendered in uh, in the in the standard Christian. And of course, there's many, many different variations of Christianity, but in general that, that, you know, we have to give it over to Jesus, right? But if we think of, we just change that structure for a moment. Jesus was a being that was exemplifying what all of us can be. And, and at the heart of that is Activision. And the heart of that is seeing the matrix, being able to dissociate from that which has uh, had us imprisoned for, for millennia. Um, because of the deep code of jump to Buddha, of making ourselves into identities, things. That's that's the the very nature of the matrix code is to make everything into a thing. That's also the Lego principle. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're seeing kind of the, the the dots that are connecting here. What does that have to do with us? Well, hey, if if every moment is interpretive, you're interpreting reality around you, you're interpreting yourself, you're making decisions based on this interpretation, your entire life is governed at this deepest level of interpretation of, and that interpretation is governed by the Lego code, the matrix code, the identity code, that which makes us terminal. So as soon as you buy into life, let's say life is a big one, right? What do we care about most? I care about life. I care about my life. I care about my family's life, but let's, let's, see that for what it is. Life is a Lego life as long as it's in the matrix. And so your life is an object. And what does it have? Oh, it has a beginning birth. It has everything in between the beginning and the end death. And that's what we call life. Well, there you go. Perfect example. It's terminal. It has an expiration in our minds. Now, I'm not denying that there's a transformation shift, you know, uh, infancy to childhood to puberty and adolescence into adulthood and then into our older years and then we die. So these are the names we give to the the, the general curve of a human's lifespan or any creature for that matter. But it's the idea of terminality. It is the implied terminality um, of of <laughs> everything that's rendered in the matrix code in the matrix lens. And we all have a matrix lens. We, we, we learned it. Um, <clears throat> think about when a baby is walking, the baby isn't thinking left foot, right foot, you know, uh, roll from heel to, to, to toe, lift that leg, bend the knee. You know, you're not, not thinking about the actual mechanics, but indeed, as the child learns to walk, that code is in there on some deep level. So take that to and translate that over to everything. So we're, we're, we're learning the code by osmosis, just absorbing it, um, you know, learning how to think, learning how to be, learning how to act and how to not to act and, and what behaviors are okay and what are not okay. A lot of the things we learn about what's okay and not okay is implied. Sometimes it's explicitly said, hey, you don't do that, right? But a lot of it is like take sexuality, for example. How do kids know from a certain age that they got to hide, they got to, they got to, uh, 
you know, hide the fact that they have um, you know, these funny feelings, right? And uh, you know, have to hide when 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 uh, kids start to go into their teenhood and they start to discover their bodies and these sexual feelings and all of that. How do they? How do we know that we got to kind of keep it under wraps? You know, it's just implied. That is one example. How do we know what's safe to talk about and not talk about? How do we know what's safe to show and not show? So every one of us is living a double life by the time we're, you know, shoot, like six, seven, eight, nine, it happens early and then just becomes more and more fixed and elaborated upon as we grow older and as we mature. Um, And so that's a maturation process within the matrix life that leads to uh, the midlife crisis eventually to, you know, as an example, but all the crises, you know, it's, it's not just a midlife crisis It's all of the, the symptoms that come up, uh, in our lifespan, we are trained to, to point the finger at them. You know, we're trained to point, even if it's an internal symptom, let's say depression, let's say somebody gets diagnosed with depression and medicated for it. It's still, we're still pointing a finger at depression as though it's some uh, mechanical or biological or hereditary uh, circumstance, which we have no power of. So even if it's in your own body, it's still finger pointing at a symptom rather than looking at how, and I will be doing another podcast on this too. I, I call it entitlement and depression. And it's, it's uh, connecting the two major dots in terms of what it means to live a life in the matrix and live a life in that Lego version of reality, not knowing it, how that leads to our, our uh, growing you know, anesthetized and desensitized and, and, uh, entitled and it dislodges us and disconnects us from an authentic sense of gratitude and appreciation and how that leads to depression. I'm going to go into all of that as one of the main symptoms of living, of not seeing the matrix and proceeding with life. So we get depression or, or any number of symptoms, or let's say that we become addicted to a substance or we have some other pathology that starts to surface the name of the game, the state of the art is to look at it, right? Problematize it in the sense of uh, address it as a Lego piece, as a Lego piece. And we are, we may be able to find, connect some dots enough to say, oh, if we take this medicine or if we do this or if we do that, then it will make it better. But we know very well that, that a lot of our medicines lead to other problems. And then you need medicines for those medicines, which is just a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The insustainability of addressing our pathologies, ailments, and our ultimately our existential suffering with the same code that led to the existential suffering. We're swinging the pendulum, you know? And, and then we've got this, this big problem right now in the, in the wisdom and spirituality and self-help realms where people are talking words like holistic and they're talking words like integral and, and, and uh, healing and all of these things, but they're using the same unholistic mode of thinking, 
So now Holistic becomes nothing more than an exhaustive catalog of, of categories. I need to make sure I have my body as well. Check. I need to make sure that I've got a good mental practice. Check. I need to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm financially free. Check. I need to make sure, you know, we go down the list and now holistic means is nothing more than a bag of Legos, your toolkit, right? And this is big. This is, this is, uh, this is the thing right now that people are, are, are getting excited about and it's getting them to the next block on the game board, but they're still on the monopoly board. So each one of us has to ask, whatever I'm doing to better myself, what is really the thinking behind it? What's, what, what am I really doing? Am I in this for true and lasting happiness and freedom, liberation? Or am I in this for the quick fix, the instant gratification, just getting on the next block on the game board? Well, in my experience, I've found that many of us would rather just plug our ears and close our eyes and blah, 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 blah. And to the real wisdom that has been calling out for millennia, because we can see that we can just get to the next block on the game board. So if your focus, if your if your heart and soul and commitment is towards getting to that next block on the game board, when someone comes along and says, hey, you're on a game board, you're not going to want to hear it. Guys, I come across this a lot, a lot, because you now using that analogy... Getting off the game board is dislodging yourself from the matrix. That's a, that's a whole other thing, guys. <laughs> and Activision is the practice. Activision is, uh, is what we're doing right now. So I'm not here talking about it. If you've been sticking with me, whether you realize it or not, I'm connecting endless dots, um, chasms in your thinking uh, that may or may not be there in widely varied ways, given on uh, – given what the unique uh, experience and background is of each individual listener. We all have some dots connected and we all have lots of dots that aren't connected. But the whole point is that, uh, is that the wisdom, the ultimate wisdom is dot connection itself. The ability to, to, to see if you can see how the matrix identifies, objectifies, separates, compartmentalize, and fragments. If you can see that in action and you can opt out of that, you remove what blocked the dots from being able to connect to begin with. It's like a superpower. It's an ultimate superpower. That's the ultimate practice. The ultimate uh, discipline is to identify and see the, the, the matrix, because that's the chopper. And when I say the chopper, it chops everything. It fragments everything. Us from one another. Identities from identities. Religions from religions. Countries, genders, uh, races. Um, on and on and on and on. So now we can begin to see how all of the collisions in society and the wars and the greed and the, and the, the fighting and the killing and the violence and all of that is generated at the deepest level from all of our participation or let's say our lack of participation in Activision, seeing what the real problem is. And we're not starting from scratch, guys. We've, it's all been there for us. The wisdom teachings have been there, but they're fragmented. They're compartmentalized. So Christianity 
in in a compartment ain't real Christianity. Jesus in a box isn't the real Jesus. Jesus as opposed to Muhammad isn't the real Muhammad or Jesus. So as long as we're still compartmentalizing them, we are... We, we can't, you can't put them on in the same toolkit and same bag. So even if you're a forward thinker and you say, no, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, Lao Tzu, yeah, I like all of them. I've got them all in my same, I've got them all in one bag, but they're still Legos. You still haven't gotten it. So once we start to see how, say, Buddha and Jesus were echoing one another and calling out the same foundational human condition, then we're starting to get the science. We're starting to get the source science, I like to call it, the activision, the, the unum vision. And unum is a brilliant word that I love to use because um, unum, the Latin for one, but not just one like the number one as opposed to number two or three. One as an infinite one. The one that unites all numbers, it holds all numbers and all space and all possibilities and all things are all held in a common unum space. So in other words, the, the, the infinite diversity of reality, all of the vast array of different things and uh, all of the different elements and, and, and chemicals and building blocks, so to speak, not Lego blocks, but, but you know, all of the, we can see in other words that the, the hydrogen atom is distinct and, and unique from the oxygen atom, right? But there would be no connectability of the two to make our, our H2O, our water, there would be no water if there wasn't some unum connectability. So I've been focusing a lot on the invisible matrix, calling that out. But you know what's even more invisible to us and more essential is the unum. The unum is the invisible, infinite connector of all. It holds all. So you could say like, for example, space would be one way of, of encountering Unum, the infinite, because you can't draw a line around space. As soon as you draw a line around space, it's, it's another thing. Well, space by its very nature is no thing, right? So how do you, you can't finitize no thing, nothing, you know? So we, so if we just think about space, for example, and how that has to go infinitely, inward and outward and upward and downward and leftward and rightward, that's just one example. And then take time. As soon as you say time started at this point and then ends at this point, well, then you're implying that which came before the start of time and that which came after. How, how long does that go? Forever. Infinite. So when we talk about unum, we're talking about the infinite. We're talking about, and you can't get around it, you know, no matter how much you want to say, oh, yeah, 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 but I can't think about that. It hurts my head. We need to have a structure. We need to have a start, middle, and end. That's the addiction to the matrix. And science is addicted to it too, as science as we know it, it, because it's so, we're so fixed in that mode of thinking, we have to deny the infinite because if we, if we don't, well, then we have to recognize that there is not only to just call it a greater power is puny. <laughs> it's way more threatening than that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it is reality itself. Reality is not a, a, an interpretation of reality. That's where we are colliding. Reality is reality itself. And once you start to open and dilate in, uh, your mind and your consciousness and your interpretive process to reality, encounter reality itself, that's when you tap into your true human nature, your true 
uh, and I, I don't like to use the word homo sapien. I like to use the word logos sapien, logos being the Greek word for that infinite light of consciousness, a, a reason itself, infinite reason, infinite logic, infinite awareness itself. Awareness itself is not awareness about something. Awareness itself is all, is infinite. Awareness is infinite. Now we are being, imagine human, humans having been cultivated for, I mean, if we go back to the original, you know, single cell bacterium, you know, from God knows how many billions of years ago at this point, or when they first started to appear, if we really think of that as us, the beginnings of us, uh, and, and, and see how we've evolved. Imagine that the last, you know, million years, let's say, I don't know how long exactly the humans really, homo sapiens really started to, to, uh, come more into that rational capacity, but think of it as this natural process. And along the way of this natural process of what, of us becoming woke, of us becoming truly, uh, of maturing into our true rational capacity, there's been a lot, a lot of pain and suffering, a lot of, of, uh, awfulness, you know, and that awfulness comes from malpractice of our rational capacity. So as we've been learning how to step into our, our greatest gift as, uh, uh, rational beings with agency and, tr and choice and true free will, we've had to, we've had to make a lot of mistakes, and I'm venturing to say, guys, we've made enough mistakes now. It does not have to get worse before it gets better. It's already gotten worse. It's already been worse. It's worse. You can get accustomed to worse. You can get, a, you can get accustomed to it being really bad and say, ah, that's life, you know? I, I really detest such mantras as to say, that's life, you know? Who said life was fair? Or we're only human. These things that we say to normalize matrix life, which is, which is death. What we call life is actually a life of dying, a life of death relative to what we have yet to wake up to and experience truly. And there have been examples, but it's time for all of us to wake up to this. Now it's time for all of us to, to, to step into real life, real life. And we can't do that if we don't see the matrix, if we don't see what's uh, interrupting the flow. We can't be in the flow. If we can't see what is containing the now, we can't be in the now. If we don't see what's generating the experience of death, we can't find life, true life. And it's easy for someone who is, you know, everything's humming along for them. The famous Krishnamurti quote, it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Just simple words of truth that echo what I'm saying. We can be well-adjusted to matrix life because it's familiar. It's all we've known. We grew up in it. We've died in it generation after generation and different variations of it keep getting passed down. We might get more sophisticated within the matrix, but the ultimate sophistication is to leave the matrix. That's the, that's the next step here in our evolution, in our maturation 
It's not to get more complicated or more bedazzled by our own little gadgets and gizmos within the matrix of suffering and imbalance and injustice. It's to go to what is causing, what is leading to this ultimate dis-ease of existence. And not, not for a second accept it. Oh, that's life. You know, you get the light with the dark. You know, good and evil will always be grappling. You know, that, that addiction to, to the familiarity of the cave, of the prison cell. It's scary to step outside of that. It's scary to, to wake up. Really wake up. And guys, you got to realize that there's a lot of people talking about awakening, a lot of people talking about wisdom, a lot of people talking about uh, being woke or healing or uh, all of those words are getting flung around. And if you know how to listen, you can see the, the, the Lego-ness of wisdom in today's culture, the wisdom market, the, the awakening market, the healing market, the yoga market. It's all part of the same matrix now with a new wisdom flavor, you know, <laughs> new look, same awful taste. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's what everyone's doing, but I, I have yet to really see someone who's, who is calling that out and isn't in it just to get to the next game board, the next block on the game board, rather, <laughs> or even the next game board, even leave the Monopoly board and jump to the wisdom board, but you're still on a game board. You're still in the matrix. So there's a lot of talk about paradigm shift. Let's say paradigm shift would be the equivalent of jumping from the Monopoly board to the wisdom board. But you're, you're, the new paradigm in the same matrix, in the same code, isn't going to make you very happy for very long. The difference of one to the other can afford you a sense of, of accomplishment and like you're doing it. So you feel like you're doing it because it's different than where you were. You weren't doing yoga and you started doing yoga and you got flexible and you got more fit and you started to feel more calm relative to where you were and you go, oh my gosh, I've got it. I found it. Yoga did it for me. Or you switch from a standard American diet to vegan or raw food or whatever it may be. And it made you feel different. It made you feel better. You must be doing it. The food's doing it for you. Guys, this is the name of the game, the board game. It's, it's getting you to the next block. But I promise you, it's going to lose its luster soon enough, and you're going to need another fix. You're going to need another way, because then that game, that block on the game board is going to remind you on some deep level that you're still on the game board. But since we're afraid of facing that, we got to, I got to find another thing. I got to find, I got to do, what's, what is it going to be now? Oh, I'm going to follow this guy or this guru, or I'm going to take this, this substance and it's going to, you know, awaken my mind or whatever, however you manipulate it and twist it and turn it and spin it. It's if you don't call out that it's another, another mode of avoiding the real crossing, then own that, then own it and say that that's what I want. I want to stay on the game board and I, my life, I want my life to be to jump to the next block, even though I know that I'm on a loop and I'm going to just have to pass go and collect 200 and do it all over again. I'm speaking to those of you who are tired of that, who are ready to really see that seeing Activision is the ultimate um, faculty, power, and agency that we have. 
That's the real freedom of choice. So the matrix is just one of the ways we call it out. And it's a brilliant analogy, except we're not waking up from one horrific reality to another horrific reality because Neo and Morpheus and all of them, they just woke up into another place. They're still in the matrix. Even though they're not in the computer generated matrix, they're still in the matrix. How, how, many how many jumps can you make to do that? What does it mean to leave it really? So I use that movie simply as an analogy, except when we leave this matrix that I am calling out, it is an actual liberation, an irreversible awakening that allows us to tap into the unum, the infinite connectivity uh, of infinite awareness consciousness endlessly. And this idea that there's a there to get to, there's a finish line, there's a finished product, there's a, I made it, I'm enlightened, all of those ideas, again, products of matrix thinking. So we don't want to think of enlightenment or what I'm in, the, the invitation I'm extending to you is not one that says, hey, follow my steps. Here's the toolkit. If you do this, this, and this, you'll make it. And then you can turn around and feel better about yourself and look back at that last block on the game board and go, ha, huh. or even jump to a whole new game board and look at that game board and go, ha, huh. but leaving the game board, the game boards all together is a whole other level. And it, it's not that you just get there. It's the, the whole bliss of it is that it's an ever deepening and ever advancing, ever maturing, ever awakening, ever liberating. <clears throat> That's life. Real life is, real life has room for death. In other words, life and death become instead of opposites, opposers, L living, dying. Every moment is uh, arriving. Every moment is letting go. And that takes practice. And one of the biggest blocks I found in myself and I certainly have observed in others is because we're so addicted to that, that cultural code. And I haven't experienced enough different uh, places in the world and cultures to see how it varies, but I certainly can speak to the Western and uh, an American drive towards perfection and superiority and the run from inferiority being less. It's like, a, I mean, the ultimate enslavement, really, because the, 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 the drive to be right, to be righter than the other, to one up, to be better than, <clears throat> is, is very, very deep. And so, therefore, if we are to really face what, what I'm calling out here, we, we all have to face, oh, man, not, on, not only am I not perfect, but I have been a participant in the deadly ignorance. I forgive myself. Who stood a chance? You know, we, we come in as little innocent, impressionable beings and we just get infused with this code, which blinds us and creates amnesia. Amnesia to what? Amnesia to, to the unum, to our source nature. 
And we lose touch with that gradually. We don't even know what's happening. And that's, that's a tragedy. And we don't know how to get out of it. And then we're trying to treat the symptoms and we're exhausting ourselves with matrix activism. And we're, we want to get better, but we, we don't, we're not qualified or capable. And so we keep spinning out and looping out and on and on and on. And that's, that's suffering. That's a kind of hellish existence that then we normalize. And then the normalizing of it makes it even worse. And now entire economies are based on distraction and running from it and making ourselves feel better and, uh, you know, stroking our egos and, you know, distracting us from, from facing this. And, and, and then we normalize it. And I think on the deepest level, we, we sense the insanity, but it's too scary to actually really face it. So we just act like it's normal. And that's denial. Denial ain't just a river in Egypt, as they say. It's real. Denial. We can be participant, co-participants in denying. Denial. Avoidance. Uh, and, and it's that avoidance that is, I think, the true pinnacle of selfishness because um, it privileges what we would prefer, which is to stay cozy and comfy in the cave versus what is required of us, which is that if we are going to truly come to a harmonious existence with nature and with each other, and we are to, to leave behind the, 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 the days, the age of war, self-destruction, um, violation and rape and abuse, that we're going to have to give up our cozy spot on the game board in the matrix. And that's uh, very daunting. Yes, I know. But it's also the most exciting, thrilling, enlivening, exhilarating, energizing, empowering awareness. If you're just looking for the simple fix, the quick fix, even if it's got the good spiritual talk, got to be honest with yourself. Are you, are you putting, keeping the blinders on? And because everyone else is doing it, is that your measure of what is okay? So if everyone else is okay with putting the blinders on and jumping to the next block on the game board, are you okay with that? Is it safety in numbers? Or do the first of us who have the bravery to out ourselves in, in an ultimate way, which is to unplug from the matrix, your safety doesn't come from Lego numbers anymore. There's no number of Legos that will make you feel safe. No number of Lego people who share a similar ideology to you that's going to make you safe, really. The only true safety is to detox our very consciousness with practice, with discipline, with diligence, and with forgiveness and patience and love 
in recognition of how deep this pattern is and how old it is and how long it goes and how essential it is and how difficult it is at first to, to really see. And because what we're doing is learning how to opt out of an automatic practice, a default mode, autopilot. We're learning how to turn off autopilot. And if you're, if you're really ready to embark on that, you, you're not going to find your safety in numbers. You're going to find your safety in sense. You're going to find your safety in sanity. You're going to find your safety in presence. Your safety in source science. Unum. Becomes your new safety. It's the only real safety anyways, ever. <laughs> Where we have become unsafe is in our malpractice of our rational capacities as humans. And in that malpractice, we've dissociated from the bliss, authentic, badass bliss of being in the zone, life in the zone, um, life in the, in the real flow, capital F flow. That's some serious badassery. And we are all capable of it. So I suppose this, this podcast, as I wrap it up, is a call to those of you who are ready now to see the matrix to opt out. It's such a liberating point because you don't, you don't need to exhaust yourselves anymore running the treadmills of matrix activism in your own lives or in your life with others in your community in the greater community of the planet. In order to make this crossing, you don't have to change your diet. You don't have to stop doing A, B, and C. You don't have to uh, give up your possessions. You don't have to meditate an hour every day. All of those things you may love to do, and you can do it because you love it. But what a relief, isn't it, to realize that whatever you might be doing, and really understand, back to the original point that I've said, we think we have choice in the matrix. And we have a kind of choice. You know, you go to the grocery store and you choose which avocado you put in your basket. We've got a kind of choice. What am I going to do today? But if we're not addressing the matrix, that choice was nothing more than a chain reaction predetermined by your genetics, your DNA, your, you know, the, the whole, you know, network of endless butterfly effect that you're swimming in, uh, in this very moment. And you may think that you're making a choice, but that choice may be nothing more than a, another domino falling in the chain reaction. So what is real choice? Real choice is Activision to see topped out of the matrix where we come into our true agency. And so therefore, don't grapple with, don't grapple with the appearance level so much. Stop putting the, the cart before the source. Stop making it about once you change your diet, then da, 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 da. Once I stop drinking, then da, 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 da. 
then I'll be there. You know, once I uh, can touch my toes, then I'll be flexible and then I'll be happy. Once I can, you know, whatever, become a, a rock star, then people will love me and I'll be adored and I can have anyone I want and I'll have money and then I'll be happy. Whatever your mode of getting yourself happier, it's nothing less than deeply sad and depressing to be fooling yourself into thinking that that's actually making you happier when you're still in the un deeply unhappy space. The Matrix. And what's brilliant is you don't need anyone else to agree with you. You don't need uh, anyone to give you permission. Guys and girls, your girlfriends and your boyfriends are not needed for you to make this crossing. You don't need someone's agreement. You don't need someone else to get what you're getting. You don't need to, uh, all of those things that we do, try to identify how many ways we avoid the raw, awesome power of our true agency and our true choice and our true freedom. Freedom is scary. In other words, real freedom is scary. And I say, use the word scary, not to scare you away, but to, to, you know, sensitize you to the magnitude of what, what it means to step into that freedom and where that happens. Active vision happens in the consciousness. And I don't, I don't want to even say the mind because the word mind, even though I mean it as consciousness is not in your brain. The brain is in your consciousness. Consciousness is where you live. You're not just living in a body in a physical space. You're living in consciousness. That's your house. Your structure, your lens is your, is your house, is your worldview, is your, is your uh, ideologies. But the ultimate home is unum. And we will not be able to feel home, feel safe, really, authentically, sustainably, without addressing the matrix without seeing it. <laughs> and you don't have to point the finger anymore at those higher ups. You don't have to point the finger at those chemtrails. The chemtrails are in you. That's where you stop the chemtrails. Those lines in the sky are a mirror of the lines in you. Those toxins. So you want to be brave. Stop pointing your finger at the sky or at the government or at any specific person, people, religions. Stop pointing the finger and look inward now. The woman in the mirror. I want to thank you for coming on this journey with me. I applaud you for staying with me. 
every episode to come in some way, shape, or form is going to be based upon this awareness. Being able to see the, the, the Lego matrix and being able to know and encounter the source matrix, the unum matrix, the real reality, space. And being able to navigate from a deeper place of agency. You'll begin to see that so much of your struggle was coming from nothing less than not seeing this. Because at any given moment, both are happening. The infinite never goes away. Source, unum, whatever you want to call it, awareness, never goes away. Presence, never goes away. We blind ourselves to it because simultaneously, there is indeed a matrix, a blinding, objectifying, desensitizing matrix that has the whole of humanity currently. Can't make a choice unless you see the choice. And that is my invitation to you. So join me as we continue to go deeper and deeper If you stay with me, you will start to connect the dots more and more. And that is our ultimate power. It's as though you are rewiring your very brain. We've been stuck in the 10% of that brain, not because of anything else other than we cannot tap the true capacity as long as we are addicted to this tired ass code. And as we see it, we start to become more and more unum, more and more integral, more and more holistic, actually. And with that comes more and more bliss, stability, peace. This is my invitation. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to the next one.